welcome to episode 300 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty, guys, welcome along to episode 300 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. How about you? I'm fantastic. Do you know why, John? Why? Because the season begins. The season does begin. We've got a bit of news we, this we week, can talk, We can talk some Iron Man this week. Yeah. Oh, it's a good time. It's happy days. It's happy days because I have to do so much preparation. <laughs> it's even more oh, nice. <laughs> you have to wing it so much. Okay, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com For tasty, warm morsels in your body. Athlinks.com For Tasty Warm Morsel website And Extreme Endurance I don't know how to do Tasty for Extreme Endurance No, I like Tasty I know, Tasty, I've been, uh, I tried the Execute Oh, did you? Tasty <laughs> When did you try this? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you have a little teaspoon at some stage It's Tasty Did you get the shaker board? Get the little shaker thing going <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, in this week's show we've got some news We've got a Coach's Corner I'm doing Coach's Corner this week We've only got four segments this week Yeah, Bevan sent me a request Can I do Coach's Corner? And I was like, of course you can bloody do Coach's yeah. Corner I can do some work for once yeah. And then we've got a great interview with Andrew Messick from WTC Yes, and we talk about what's happening with the drug situation, don't we? Mm-hmm. What's the story? And you get to hear all of that in about another half an hour from now And then we've got some questions and answers at the end Well, first of all, news is proudly brought to you by SLS Try Remember, always use the discount code IAMTALK And you get 25% off at checkout So mm. she's a no-brainer team So first of all, this weekend coming up We have Ironman New Zealand This is the first big race of the year it's exciting times. It's first. It's the first Ironman of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah, first Ironman. Iron yeah. um, and girl side of things, it's basically a bit of a new, you know, likely to be a bit of a New Zealand battle. It's going to be interesting to see how um, Gina Crawford goes. You know, she won Challenge Wanaka, but perhaps not as convincingly as um, we would expect from her in the past. At this time, she was still breastfeeding. I'm not sure if she still is now, um, but I think that made it um, look like it made it a bit more difficult for her. Mm. And Joanna Lorne is trying to go for about the 50 millionth title in New Zealand. So uh, last How many year... How Lorne won? Oh, Bevan. Asking, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. But last year, uh, we had Miranda Carfrey almost coming coming down and, and spoiling the party for the Kiwis, but she punched it and lost a huge amount of time. And we do not have the defending champion, Sam Warner Racing. I was on the news the other night, and she's uh, she's pregnant. Oh, well, she's up the duff. She's up the duff. <laughs> That's a good reason so, not to race. So she's, not, she's not racing. Um, so do you think it'll be the end of her career? It must be, surely. Well, she was talking like she was going to come back. Um, oh, okay. So we'll see. Um, don't know. We should get Gina on. Gina? Yeah, just to talk about, you know, because to be a pro athlete mm-hmm. and be a mum, mm-hmm. you know, like it's hard not being a mum, mm-hmm. being an Ironman, but, you know, to be a pro athlete and being a mum as well, you know, mm-hmm. you're obviously she won Challenge Wanaka, so she can't be doing too bad, but at the same time, how's she managing that, you know, that new life? Because, you know, you know what it's like when you've got a kid come along. Mm. Did um, you keep doing Ironman when kids came along? Uh, I did for number one, but... They're not number two. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Gina racing. We've got Joe Lorne racing. Uh, we've also got Jessica Jacobs from the States racing. Kate, Kate Bevilacqua, um, Meredith Kessler, and uh, that's the, the bulk of them. Um, so who contenders? Joe, Gina. Yeah, I really got Harper. Maybe. No, I really think it's going to be. Uh, you know, my, my gut feeling is say Joe Lorne, you know, she's been staying at the top of her game. Gina's on her on her way back. 
Um, but I would say if if Joe's on fire, I think Jen will probably struggle to beat her just because she's on her way back. Maybe next year. So it could be, could be interesting though. Okay, let's be honest. The real race that we're going to be looking for is Van Helnecker versus Brown. It's going to be a, it's it's a strong field actually. It's the strongest Ironman New Zealand field that I've seen in a long time because yeah, that is uh, is definitely the one to watch is Marino versus versus Cameron. But you throw Terenzo into the mix. Yep, and it's one bike. Yeah, but you never know because I, I not you know, again. I would agree with you that oh, he I'm, was in a cast, you know, and and Kona, Kona and that yeah. was in October. And we but but sometimes having a break and coming back from a break can give you that rejuvenation. I think the fact that he probably wasn't able to be riding then didn't help the fact. You know, if he had an injury and couldn't run, yep. but he was still swimming, biking, I'd say, well, you know, this, this break might be quite good. But the fact that he wasn't biking does lend me to suggest that he's probably not going to be affected. But I wouldn't be surprised if he he really husses it up as well. But. You've got to say. Oh, yeah, but, but, I suppose it depends on what his outlook in this race is. Is it just like, okay, I'm just getting back into it to get some you know, race experience? Or is he going, you know what, this is going to be a race where I am going to take a risk? And you Because know, if he's willing to take a risk, who knows? But if he is just thinking this is a building block towards the season... Well, the other thing that he's got to factor in, and then part of the reason why he's got to race is... A, his, his major sponsor is, uh, is Nutrigrain, which is a title sponsor. So it is a Nutrigrain, Kellogg's Nutrigrain Ironman New Zealand. So I think that's that would put a lot of pressure on him to race. But B, secondly, he's got to think about Kona qualifying. And so he's got to get an Ironman in the mix somewhere. Oh, and true. he's a guy that likes to do a lot of 70.3s. So if he does one Ironman and then go wins a few 70.3s, then he should be fine in terms of points. But he's got to do an Ironman somewhere. So... Uh, in the past, he has sometimes done Ironman Germany, but if he gets enough, you know, if he has a good race here, he can probably bank on on not doing any Ironman. So, those three you would expect to be your main. There was one dark horse. Yes, Guy Crawford. Guy Crawford. Yeah, I, I think he's going to take Crawford it. Crawford will yeah. be shooting for a sub nine in the top ten, I think. But also, you know, throw Aaron Farlow into the mix. One challenge Wanaka. Uh, he's won other Ironman races, but he normally doesn't come up against the big hitters of like the likes of Cameron Marino and Terenzo. Um, but certainly, he should be a bit of a factor. And then you've got another, a few other guys that are of similar ability: Jamie White, Keegan Williams, and, and Roman Guillaume. One that perhaps you haven't noticed in so much and, and hasn't been talked about a lot would be Marco Albert. He's a former ITU athlete, and he used to be. He's always, he was always like one of the guys, first out of the swim sort of guys. Yep. Um, always there, sometimes on the breakaway on the bike, and not quite, not you know making it on the run. But those guys that often don't make it on the run are actually bloody good runners. You know, someone like a Dirk Bockel, yep. he was a, one of those guys that was an axe off the off the bike in the swim, but off, you know usually got crushed on the run. But he was still running really yeah, fast yeah, compared to the top guys. And yeah. we've seen how well he can run an Ironman. So Marco Albert, he actually got thirteenth than Kona. Oh wow, okay. And uh and he did oh, I didn't have it written down here, but he I think he did on debut at Ironman Texas like eight thirteen or okay, eight. So like. he really could so be a contender. Could, could really be someone who could mix it up depending on what sort of shape he's in. But so it's a really, really good men's profile. You also got um Torsten Abel in there, um from Germany. He's had some great races. So, you know, it's a it's a strong field. 
I'm, uh, I'm impressed with what they've done this year. Good stuff. Okay, well, the other thing, that Torsten's come out and he's kind of given us his predictions. He's saying that it's Verhenica, Brown, and then Albert. And, and based, uh, and quite significantly in Marino's favour. Yeah. And, and this sometimes happens if you have a few bad results. You know, Cameron's had a few bad Konas. Mm. That must bump your average time out. So he's predicting that Marino's going to come in at 8.14, which I'm pretty sure will be a course record. Yeah, because it, it's course about 8.20. Eight, yeah, 8.18, yeah. 8.20 something. Yeah. Cameron Brown 8.27, Marco Albert 8.30, Terenzo 8.33 and Aaron Farlow 8.37. If we see those results, that's pretty uh, could be pretty good racing. But And then for the girls, he's going Lorne Crawford and Kessler. But he's only going uh, Joe Lorne by uh, 9.31.22 and Gina Crawford 9.32.29, so only one minute in it. And then only a minute back to Meredith Kessler. And uh, so if that... No, Meredith Kiss only eight seconds behind Gina Crawford. So if we had one minute and eight seconds We've got a covering great race top happening three, this weekend, guys, a great that race. could be a bloody good race. Uh, Torsten's also put up his, his first early crack at his Kona um, predictions for this year. Doesn't include Lance Armstrong. Uh, he did that before that race. So you can check out uh, tryrating.com, and he's just got his sort of early odds on who should take it out, and it was Crowy that he had uh, um, in terms of odds on favourite to be taking it out at this stage well another piece of news that they had on triathlete uh, triathlon competitor.com mm-hmm. is it just competitor or competitor magazine yeah okay triathlete magazine um, is um, <clears throat> and we actually talked to Andrew a little bit about this in an interview that they're mm-hmm. trying to get 20 or full coverage for a big TV network for Ironman Kona this year yeah that sounds more unlikely yeah, than not on what that you're trying saying, to work yeah. on some avenues where at least maybe some live coverage but that'd be huge you know if you're watching NBC what they used to do in New Zealand that could be an option for them come is and go. come and go yeah. you know, and do a little highlight you know every on the hour they come in and have 10-15 minutes coverage that would be really huge for the sport if that happened I would have happened this weekend I know there's a few listeners out there doing it Luke we've got David we've got it's quite a few people we're going to be doing the race John nice and Big money race, you know. We're looking here fifty thousand dollars first place, yeah, but nice. outside of Kona um, and Iron Distance Racing, nothing even remotely comes close. Second place, twenty thousand. Um, that's a nice payday, isn't it? Imagine getting fifty thousand bucks. Oh, I, I, don't I could do with that right nice. now. Third, fifteen thousand, and it goes all the way down to tenth, one thousand. So it's two hundred thirty thousand dollars prize money. Per well, last year, Frederick Van Leer took it out, and it was a bit of a surprise win. Had a great day, and mm-hmm. uh, came along, and took it out, and he's back this year to defend his title. And it really did come down to a, a, you know, a bit of a break on the bike, and, and then really just a twenty k running race. So the distances they have there are three k swim, two hundred k bike, and twenty k run. Um, so I'm predicting it would be something similar. You know, you might get a bit of a break in the bike, but um, you're likely to have the main bunch of runners coming off and come down to a twenty k hammer fest and, and probably pretty close racing on the guys' side of things. Last year. I remember we saw um, Julie Dibbins really just crush them all in the swim yeah. bike and, and hang on in the run and probably predict that something similar might happen this year. She just, like in Kona, she was just dominated them on the bike. Can you see her name on the list? Um, I'm pretty sure she's racing. Okay. But on the guys' side of things, it's a similar sort of looking field to, to last year. Um, it's a good field, but it is a good field. It is. Um, Chris Lieto's name's down there again. I think it's been down in the past and he hasn't hasn't raced, but he could be one guy that could potentially change the facet of the race um, if he really goes uh, ballistic on the bike. Mm. But you'd really be looking at, you know, Dirk Bockel and Nico Lanos, who, who won it the first year, Federic Van Leert again, 
Faris Al Sultan, he seems to be you know getting a second wind, second you know second lease of life. You know, he could be a yeah. bit of a factor, um, and and Rasmus Henning in there as well. And then, but it's a pretty pretty big pro field. You know, you'd likely to see a pretty big bunch on the bike um, rolling around. So guys like James Kanana as well. So Clayton Fertel, Fertel could be one to, to look out for. He's a former short course guy as well. So that's what's happening on the guys' side of things. And the girls' side, we've got some we've got some good athletes racing there as well. Yep, Caroline Steffen. You know, she'll be. I mean, she's also was was very. Jody Swallow. Yes, Jody Swallow. Yeah, that could she could be one to watch as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. We haven't got. Uh, Julie Dibbon's name there on the list, no. so it'll be interesting to see if Leander she. In the cave, right? no, well, it's a pretty strong field. So Joyce Rachel is Joyce, Joyce is, in, Joyce is yeah. in there. So you have got some great swim bikers, good runners in terms of you know Joyce and Caroline Stephan and Jody Swallow. You know, she's uh, she's pretty strong. She may get away on the bike in Leander Cave. So looking at that, um, I wouldn't say there's anybody super clear favourite. So it could be uh, could be exciting times. Go Joycey. Yeah, go. go. Shout in Kona if you take it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, and then we have uh, what else? Challenge. How's this one, John? Kuchkow. Kuchkow, isn't it? This is interesting. So we talked to Andrew later on in the interview about the you know the merging of the different kind of organisations and, and you know how and he talks. You'll hear about it soon. But Challenge have obviously been working with ITU a little bit as ETU. well. So, but that must be a, a, a associated with ITU. ITU is a European Triathlon Union, and uh, yeah, they're definitely associated with. ITU, but it's the European Triathlon <coughs> Union. And so, so what's happened is Challenge have now aligned themselves with the ETU, and so the Challenge Critch was Critchcow. Critchcow. The Challenge Critchcow race is now the official half distance European Championships. But then, what's interesting as well is that Challenge Route is the long distance championships for European Championships as well. And it's a little, the reason why it's been well, there's a few reasons why it's interesting. A little bit different, you know. I'm pretty sure, and your European listeners can scold me if I'm wrong here. I think they used to use the the, the sort of the ITU distances. So for the long distance champs, they'd maybe go like the the 3k swim, 80k yep. bike, 20k run. Yep. Or they might use the ITU distance, <clears throat> which is I think 4k swim, 120k bike, 30k run. Yeah. So they use those distances. So they're switching more to the I guess the WTC distances here. So that's one um, sort of change uh, that I think is happening. But the other one is the European Champs is, is, a, is a reasonably big deal for, for age groupers, and you're racing for your country. It's yeah. Not, um, so you, you, get, to, you get the outfit. You have to qualify though as well, or you have to be you have to nominate yourself to get in. Yeah. So how that's going to fit into say a challenged road, which is sold out. What if you qualify for your country and you want to race? Well, How's I imagine Road must have to leave a certain sp- number of spots to get in. So, not quite sure how that'll that'll happen. But it, if it does pan out that this the ETU generally the the, the championship races is going to move from year to year, and it, who knows it might move amongst the challenge races. So it might go to Copenhagen one year, it might go to Rote one year. But it will be nice to see if we do get a bit more racing for your country sort of emerging into to some of these standalone races. So it's, it's interesting times ahead. It's also happening in, in ITU circles. So um, ITU now have their um, sort of their cro- what they call cross triathlon Xterra. They're now teaming up with Xterra. So one of oh, the Xterra okay. races is now, I think it's the world. Uh, they're having the ITU sort of world champs in conjunction with I think the North American race somewhere so again instead of trying to set up their own standalone race 
they're combining in with an existing well-run race, which, I don't know, it seems to make sense to me. Yeah, I just find it really fascinating. Like, uh, for the years since, since I've kind of been interested in the sport, there's always been this conflict between the different organisations, and there's a lot of, you know, they're doing the bad thing, they're doing the bad thing. And, mm. and it seems to me we're in this moment in time where suddenly everyone's not their enemy. Like, I'm sure they've all got to look at their own business and or their own structure and go, OK, we need to make this work and be successful for ourselves. But it's almost like they realise that if we can work together as a bigger unit, as in triathlon, it's better for the sport. And as far as I'm concerned, it's got to be a good thing. Mm. Well, you know, I, I was having a discussion with my father-in-law the other night. You know, a lot of the great sporting events around the, the world, they're not the ones that move from year to year. You know, in yeah, triathlon and no. cycling, the world cycling champs, you know, I couldn't tell you who is probably even the world champion, and I couldn't tell you where they were. Same with, say, long-distance world champs. That moves from year to year. When you look at a Kona or, say, St Andrews for the British Open, then places, they, they build some history there. And uh, if they can... It's a bit unfair to say, right, the European champs is always going to be in rote. But um, it does create a bit more, I don't know, stigma yeah, around but if you those events. Tour de France, mm. you know? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Mm. Because you look at the... I mean, world champs are always in Kona. Mm. You know, that, and we say often we get the feedback, hey, that's not right. You know, it should, it's not fair because it's, that it's course doesn't suit everybody. Yeah. But hey, if that, if that if the Ironman World Champs moved every year, I don't think it would be carrying the same prestige. Well, I don't know if prestige is the right word, but it would be just be different. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't uh, it's just the, the history of Kona, isn't there? Mm. Mm. And that's what you create by having But then the if you go to the history of the Olympics. It's true. It's hard to know. Mm. I don't know if there's a definitive answer, John. Mm. Okay, well, this week, um, Chrissy's book is out. I didn't even know she was doing a book until somebody sent this through. I think I talked about it a couple weeks on the show ago. (laughs) Must have been listening pretty closely. Really good. Okay, well, there's a really good interview with her on The Guardian. and It's it's good. Did you read it? No. I did, uh, because I did my piece. (laughs) Because you said to me, do your piece, I do what you say, John. (laughs) And uh, so she talks about how she actually had really bad eating disorders, so... Um, bulimia and anorexic I don't know how bad it is but in this article she talks about it and she says she goes into it but she talks a lot about Brett Sutton right? Mm, and saying how um, just in this article so I imagine the book's going to go pretty deep but she's saying how at, at first he was really good for her but once she got her lessons she kind of didn't need him anymore but oh. in, in some ways like she said as a coach like some ways in a session she'd be really he'd be really harmful to her or really critical in front of the group but then really caring outside the group good cop bad cop yeah kind of pretty yeah yeah. it's a good little read so I'll put that link to the article um, in, sorry the guardian.co.uk um, article on imtalk.me but um, the book's coming out so we'll have to get a copy of it and have a read we'll have to get her on some stage yeah, she, I think she thinks. She, I don't know. We, we, we get on. Oh, we, no, no, often I've been. Um, you probably could now. Of, she doesn't train yeah, so She does much. a lot of stuff, and I'm trying to think of new. You know, often I've been thinking in the past. Well, we hear so much of it in other interviews. You know, she does so many interviews. Where's the different angle? Yeah. How are we going to get? Something? I don't. I can't be bothered just interviewing here and asking That's the where, same like questions. When we get Mark Allen on for Legends of Triathlon, because we will get him on. Yeah, we've got to make sure we don't just get the Kona story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that's the thing. That's why you've kept saying, I'll get Chrissy on. I'm like, well, what, what, different, what things different can we ask? Now we've got, I haven't seen any interviews, long interviews with her in terms of where she's at now. And now if we've got uh, the book out. She's, she's always replied well, to John, she's, she's good. how so. fast do you think she could do the London Marathon in? If she trains specifically for yeah, it? Yeah, because that's what she's going to do next year, John. Um, uh, I think she would go two hours, 38, 31 
Well, because you don't want to be checked by her. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think her stand, I, I actually do think her standalone marathon would be a lot closer to her. I think she performs exceedingly well at Ironman, oh, running off the bike. So I think on. she'll run fast, but I don't think she would have, uh, yeah, I don't know. She's talking to 220. Believe that when I see it. Really? You yeah. don't, she's not coming on the show now, John. <laughs> Look, you've just ruined it for us. No, I would be picking. <laughs> she uh, said 220. She goes, I'm looking for the London Marathon next year where I hope to do someone 220. No, not happening. How fast will those chicks go? The top chicks are about 1213, one, aren't they? Uh, no, no. Um, I think the world record, oh, the new marathon now. This is just off the top of my head. I think Paul, um, Paula Radcliffe's record would say two seventeen ish, something like that. Why don't you just check it out? World oh, yeah. marathon record. I reckon it's around about the two seventeen, two eighteen mark. To do a good woman's run is, is sort of in the two twenties. It's still a very good run. You know, you're pretty competitive. If you're running a low two thirty at a lot of the marathons. Okay, we're going to put it up. World up, 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 up. marathon woman's record. World woman uh, two fifteen. 215 A little bit quicker than I thought So if Chrissy pulled off a 220 She would be, the, be right up there be right the fastest right of all time <laughs> Yeah No I'm picking she would be if she Maybe she said the, 220s Yeah I don't think she'd break 230 personally You don't? No Jeez, I'll put it out there Radcliffe's pretty impressive wasn't she? Oh incredible She's still recent uh, I think she's trying to come back for London Yeah no she is But she's got a couple of kids now she's, Oh it's over Yeah yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Chrissy's books out. Chrissy's so you can get that out. on Amazon.com and if you've got a Kindle, which I'm going to have to tell you my Kindle story later on, John. Yeah. Not happy about that. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. I almost cried. Um, new event coming up. Try Juice uh, had this article. There's a new event coming up in uh, in Wales. Uh, it's called the Extreme Race. The brutal extreme, extreme. brutal extreme half or full. They're going to have a, a half, a full, or a double. So you, wow. it's going to and you swim in the beautiful but chilly Lake Padan. Um, you bike, you know, fifty six hundred and twelve or two hundred twenty five miles in the long hard cli- long hard climbs all around the Snowdonia region, and then in the end you run um, plenty of uh, paths all around Mount Snowdon, and I think you go up Mount Snowdon, um, which is the highest mountain in Wales. Do you know what, John? What? That sounds pretty extreme to me. <laughs> it does. It looks pretty full on. Um, but John, do you know what? Do you know what your problem was? What? You're born in the wrong time. Why do you say that? Because I'm looking, I pulled up Wikipedia as we're looking at the records for the marathon time. If you were born in 1913, you would have been the world champion. Right. <laughs> there you go. You're stuffed up. You would have been, you would have been touring the world. This is the fastest man in the world. Yeah, yeah. You would have been getting the accolades. You've gone to the Olympics. You would have yeah. been a champ. Yeah, just wrong timing. So what was the time in 1913? 1913, they did 238.16. Oh no, this would still have pipped me. Oh. I might have lifted my game if I was going for the <laughs> yeah, top yeah, medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what was seconds. I was like two thirty-eight, thirty or something. Okay, so we'll two, two, 1909 then, that was 240. Okay. Yeah, you, would have have been, you, you would have been the champion of the world. Funny you say that because I was on the internet the other day just wasting time as I was at the airport. And some website, they had the photo of the world's fattest man in 1919. Yeah. And, he, and in, in today's comparisons, he wasn't that big. <laughs> You're going to go, wow, it's kind of crazy. Probably. So whereas nowadays, John, two or three. So then the question goes, although I doubt this, but in, in 50, you know, 100 years from now, we'll be going, oh, yeah, you could be the world record holder at 203. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think we're ever going to be getting down to an hour and a half for a marathon. No. 
probably the, the we probably should have this as a lead story this week, though, Bevan. Oh yeah, there's going to be an I Am Talk tri suit coming out probably in the next week. It's looking sharp too, yeah. mate. So, I didn't even know it was happening. John just sends me this email. I've done these suits. I'm not picking up where they come from. <laughs> so somebody said, if people have been saying from time to time for oh, years, um, can you do it? Can you do it? Why don't you do an I Am Talk tri suit? And I've always been well. I need to find a supplier, and it's all just going to be a bit no, hard. And, and you've got, if you do a tri suit, you've got to do it right. Otherwise, they're just useless and a complete waste of money. And um, now we're working with SLS as one of the sponsors of the show. Um, I said, hey, um, do you yeah. guys do fully supplemented um, tri suits? And he goes, yep. And so we're on it. The design's pretty much in line with our bike jerseys, and we'll have it confirmed in the next couple of days. Um, and we've just got to figure out the timeline. But what I emailed him this morning is what we're likely to do is have a cut-off date at some stage in um, late March. And so it's a bit like with the bike jerseys. You order it, then we, we manufacture them, and then we get them out to you, you know, four or five weeks or however long manufacturing takes after that. So keep an eye on our Facebook page. Next week I'll hopefully have everything ready to rumble, but they're going to be the SLS tri-suits. You're going to get kick-ass quality there, and there's going to be a bit of incentive uh, to get one, uh, and also the price is going to be pretty reasonable. So Love your work uh, there, Check it out. Also, SLS, um, they've got the, the day sleeves, and what they are, they're basically your sort of calf sleeves. They call them day sleeves. And um, I was a bit sceptical about these so things. Are these, are these meant to be used for when you're not training just to wear around to give a bit no, of recovery? No, they're more for, more for, for racing. Um, oh, okay, great. Because we know, you know, if you try to put on compression socks in a race, some people can do it, some can't. Um, but this is the sort of easy alternative, so you don't have a, a sock, and then you can change if you want um, yep. different socks on your, your bike to, to the run. And this is basically covers your calves, and it goes over your can go over your ankles. And I've actually I've, I've run them a few times, and actually found them equally as doing the same sort of job as the socks. Uh, so they, they work in really really well. The cool thing is then you can wear them under your wetsuit, so then you don't have to muck. So around. you literally put them on in the morning and they're yep. there for the day. They're, okay, for the day. they're very light, um, designed by medical professionals with more than fifteen years experience in the in, in the industry. Free shipping in the States. Recommended retail is forty four ninety five, but if you use the code I am talk you get twenty five percent off. Just about 12 bucks so off that, so. Check that out. Go to SLSTry.com for compression gears. Maybe if you're gonna go there just hold off on getting your tri suit um, for one week and then we're going to have a, an SLS IM Talk tri suit coming you look your way. so cool when you look I'm committed. excited about people. Ra- I mean, a lot of guys race in an IM Talk bike juice, which is awesome to see, but yep. actually to see the tri suits. If, if you, people I don't race so much. I might just do a race so just so I can wear one. wear one in the running race. I've never actually worn one. Yeah. Crazy. We're in a running race. You look like a right a running dick. <laughs> you look like a right dick turning up to a running race in a tri suit. You look like a tall. You know, sometimes you look like a tall knife. It's, know. You know, it's just the deal. Okay, well, anyway. got, hold on, hold on. You got a challenge for me. You got a challenge. For <laughs> got me. a challenge. Here we go. Here we go. We have to get a tri suit each on our flight. Uh, we're on the flight. We're committed to going to Kona this year. We've actually committed. We'll talk about it later in the show. We've got to do a lap of the plane in okay, our tri suit. Okay, we'll do it. I'll do it. Kona. I'll do it. People will think we're weird, but it's okay. <laughs> That's how we roll, John. We're, we're there for the people. There we go. This week's discussion, what have we got? We've got this week's discussion is if you had, if your local event, which may be going for a few years, was suddenly taken over by WTC, would you be happy? Also, in general, are you excited about the expansion plan of WTC in 5150s and 70.3s, or do you not care? Also, I was wondering about names for my running business. but And perhaps we probably shouldn't have limited a WTC. You know, what if Challenge came and took over one of your well, we events? Did. Or so it's too late. I know. I know. Or, something, or Rev or something like that. Um, 
Um, Rasmus uh, Svensson Salad uh, in Sweden. We had the Kalmar Triathlon, um, and we know that that's just been taken over, and it's going to be the Ironman Kalmar this year. The thing is, for triathlon in Sweden, it's probably a good thing, but for triathletes that don't care if they do an Ironman challenge or Yamenhaden, or whatever that word was, uh, it's bad. The price went up from $300 to $700 US, and is now the, the Swedish triathlon federation has lost its national championship i hope the triathlon in general will get more media attention but i don't think the wtc is the answer to everything so that's a big issue is and that came through as a constant theme through a lot of the posts is all of a sudden if wtc takes over the race you see the price the entry price skyrocketing i suppose the question is which we probably should have put within the question is by paying an extra 300 bucks are you getting that in value Mm. You know, like, is it just the same race, or do you actually see a big step up in the race? You know, like, you know, because sometimes you get these, like, events, and they are, you know, just kind of half-heartedly put on, and they're fun, and they work, but mm. then WTCs comes along, and there's a, you know, they do bring a level of professionalism that's pretty high, and so, you know, like, when I did Ironman, I think we were paying 500 bucks at the time, mm. 500 bucks, I can't remember, but I always felt, well, you know what, I'm pretty happy to pay that money, I felt I got value for money, as you mm-hmm. know, it was, it was a high-priced race, but the whole thing was put on pretty well. I never felt, oh, they're you know, ripping me off here. Mm. So, interesting. Okay, Jerry Phelps has got, at this point, WC is, uh, TC is driving more business to triathlon in general. So, I don't think they are taking business from local tries. My, that's my big worry, that WC will become like Walmart of triathlon and suck up all the local money into the corporate mothership, which, you know, could be true. Simon Gallagher, I'd love it because there might be some proper uh, uniformed, uninformed organisation organization where everyone know a uniformed organisation where everyone knows what to expect and we all get a cool wristband. So I guess you're getting that sort of McDonald's feel. You know what you're getting it going in for when you go to the race. Yep. Erin um, Lee, there are some events that I love because they are local and they have the community feel. For most races, though, I would be happy if they became a 70.3. Ian Holmes, it's always a problem when a company in any market has an effective monopoly. Regulation would be uh, one option, so each company has to, for certain distances, make sure the course is accurate, but this would require the ITU to do something. Um, and secondly, does anybody care if Ironman Austria is shorter than Ironman Wales? I do care, actually. It bugs me when races aren't accurate. Really bugs me. Yeah, well, records-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Martindale, is, uh, if WC could provide the high-quality race experience at the same cost as the local tries, then great. But reality is the entry fees are double, double or more for WCC events. And for those of us who are just getting it by right now, it would be heartbreaking. Don't get me wrong. WC puts on a top-notch event but just can't afford to do them. And then he's then got on. Then a new listener to IM Talk it started a month ago on episode one, and he's now up to it. <laughs> Now, that is absolute madness, Jeff. Stop the madness. Stop listening to us. You must be sick of us. Um, I love the episode about my, me and my mullet. He's got yeah, br- we've got to bring, bring back, back the mullet. mullet. Yeah. Bring back mullet. Run him with mully. There's no mully here, Jeff. No, he is I, a bit I, messy today. I did have, well, I'm always messy, you know me. Yeah. But I did have it a little bit coming back, but then I had to do modelling a couple of weeks ago, so I had to do a haircut. Woody would not. I've raced Kalmar three times. Great long course race has been around for years and was fantastically organised and great value. But this year it has been franchised up by uh, WTC. The price has almost tripled overnight. Benefit to athletes, none. It's the race, not the brand, that makes us a great sport. Oh, someone's just trying to chat to me on Facebook. Wait a second. Um, I don't turn Facebook chat on. Don't turn Facebook chat on. Simon Gallander. Gallander, we don't know. You did his. Um, um, I've, been, I've been throwing. Um, 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 Ian Holmes, have you done him? Done him. Oh, no. Pretty sure one. Ann. Do a one-liner. Anne. 
Where's that one liner? I don't know. Just uh, would John allow Bevan to use his partnership's name in his running business? E.g. Oh, my yeah. running business. Some people came up with ideas. Newsome running. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one, don't yeah. you? You know what? It's really hard. Because it's really hard to give a business name. And we've thought, like, seriously, we've thought of hundreds. But to get the one where you go, yep, that, that stands for what we mean. It's like, it's it's a really hard thing. Like, and thank you for everybody who put some thoughts into it. Although I have to give, who do I have to give a hard time? Mark. Was it Mark? Was it a couple Mark? of guys have been us time. You kind of went mad at me. I'm not going to get Relax, man. He's got pretty weak discussions lately, guys. Um, whatever happened to John's discussion of the week? Yours was weak last week. Was it? Was the silliest thing that happened? Yeah. Like, it, was, it was silly. That one seemed to be, uh, uh, that one seemed like it would have been more entertaining than the recent hypothetical discussion or serving Bevan's marketing department. Steady, take a chill pool, steady, Matt. Eddie. Take a chill pool, Matt. No, look, it's just I thought let the community come up with some ideas, but. Have you come up with an idea? No, we, we, I thought something like um, something around footprints, um, you know, because you're running creates footprints in theory. So something around footprints forward or something like that. I'm not sure, but it's just yeah, we've got kind of four things that we have underneath the whole title. We need the big title. So anyway, but thank you for those who did that. I really appreciate it. I like some of them. And your thoughts, Bevan, about WTC taking over the a lot of the races? Well, I think there are, there is two aspects to it. Like the thing is, like if we look at your local races, if you look at the ones around the area, it does bring the community of triathletes together, and there is a nice thing about that. You know, when it's kind of the day when you kind of see the people who you might train with sometimes, or you see events locally, and so those races are kind of cool. And then if you go to an Ironman, Ironman does become you don't really hang out with people in Ironman, do you? Um. Yeah, but is that a, any Iron Man? You probably wouldn't either. Whether, whether you went to a Challenge Road or whether you went to yeah, well, a I think maybe it's just the volume of people. Once mm. once a race gets to a certain size, you might hang out for a couple of people. But if you go to like you know your race or you mm. go to like the South Island Try, you know these races, you're kind of catching up for everyone because you know everyone there. And once a race gets to a certain number of people, you know that kind of social community thing starts to kind of oh sorry, people keep chatting me on Facebook. <laughs> It kind of takes up. Oh, just a little. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, I like the idea of the community stuff, but at the same time, if you want a professional race, you know, the community ones often don't have that high level of professional, other than festival triathlon, obviously. But you know, but so you know, the community. I like the community aspect, but then if you want a professional race, you do have to pay. Well, you want. Yeah. You, know, you always just in anything you're looking for value for money, and yep. uh, and so I get frustrated if I pay reasonable money and I. And I get a shit organisation. Yeah, that frustrates me. But at the same time, I don't. I, coast to I, coast. I would be frustrated <laughs> if all the events you know within your region were all WTC and they were all incredibly expensive to do. You know, you price you're going to start pricing people out of the market. Um, I think. But do you think you know if even if there is a seventy point three in Christchurch, mm. that's not going to make other races disappear. Well. I think it probably would. Yeah, the most calendars in most areas are becoming more and more busy. So I think it does. You know, if you if you think about um, certain areas of the states, you know, where there might be iron distance races, if WTC then go and plonk a, an Ironman race on in that area, that's going to have a major impact on those ones. And we see a lot of so we see some of these iron distance races have been around for a long time that do have that more low-key, low-entry-fee community field, they are starting to, to lose the battle. So there's certainly there is that, that appeal of WTC. I like to have the those big ent- ones where you pay entry fee. That is your big A race of the season, yep. and that's something you build towards. Not necessarily sure that I'd want that a full season worth of them. You know, I like to have diff- a, a variety of events. So, look, 
I think there's, there's still at this stage there's still for most people there's still so much choice out there that you can choose do you want to do go and get the WTC experience or do you want to go and do a local small event but, but the irony of the discussion is is that if WTC comes to town a lot more people do a race exactly and that's what he's ta- Andrew talks about in the interview we're about to put on bigger pie you know if you can make that that pie bigger, everybody's going to win. Yeah, so you're so. going to go, you know, like at the end of the day, as much as they charge twice as much as your local race and you maybe the community experience is lost, it's a lot more people doing triathlon. And if we think of your local community, you know, like as a tri club, you'd much rather have a race in town that brings in, you know, four times the amount of athletes, you know, and, and then would draw the public to the triathlon. You know, the bigger race does, is better for the sport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, but then you'd obviously want to capitalise on that by having smaller races. And so, mm-hmm. mm, interesting discussion, John. What are we doing this week? Um, what did I have this week? The silliest thing that's ever been in It was a bit weak. It's a bit weak. So if you've got a better one, you can, you can roll. I haven't thought of one. If you were to give um, one tip to somebody doing their first iron distance race, what would it be? Okay. I think we've done that one before, but we'll do it again. Matthew, is that okay? Was it Matthew? Matt, okay? Matt, Matt, take a chill pill. Okay, <laughs> relax. Creepers, creepers. Okay, now we have a. Or, and give us, as on top of this, Give us what you think the great discussions would be. Yes, we, we need yeah. you guys. It's a We've been going for six years now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, come with questions every week. Um, sponsor. Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. We got a good question, didn't we? Yep, Jason. Jesus, uh, oh, <laughs> Jason. Jeez, wait, I'm going to try. Just sec. Just you, Zach? Yeah, that's, so it's J-U-S-Z-C-Z-A-K. Just, what's Just the sec. middle syllable, isn't it? I don't know. Zach. Jason Uh, (laughs) He had a question around extreme endurance Uh, Quick question for you guys I'm eight weeks out from Boston and was considering using extreme endurance Given the timeline would uh, the supplement have any effect Or is it something that would take more time Do you know what's funny? What? As I said to him, I should try to catch up with Albert as if he's going to be able to see Albert in Boston. Um, <laughs> from, from the feedback I've had from, from guys that have been on it, they often it seems to take a few weeks for the extreme endurance to sort of kick in. So probably, but you're more looking like maybe two to three weeks. And so I would say if you've got eight weeks to Boston, plenty of time. and Because uh, you're yeah. still going to be doing your big training runs, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. so you'll have that effect of hopefully you'll get a, um improved performance and training and while you are you know this eight week period is when you're going to be doing the hard stuff guarantee you'll be getting enhanced recovery so um definitely get on it you know as i said usually takes um, in my experience a couple of weeks for it to really kick in so eight weeks plenty of time it's funny how people become evangelists of it straight away hey? you know people are like oh, a bit skeptical a bit skeptical oh my god it's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you want to get yourself some extreme endurance go to xendurance.com use the code imtalk uh, and you get yourself a nice discount if you're getting the automated delivery adim talk and you get a nice discount there and if you've got eight weeks i guess that's uh two jars you know you're looking at an investment of 80 bucks less discount um you're on your way Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Okay, guys, well, we're at xendurance.com. Make sure you check it out for the best lactic buffer in the world. So, first of all, we've got an interview with Andrew Messick coming up, and uh, good interview. Good interview. He's sound, a great guy, isn't he? Quality, He's good for the sport. Yeah, it's a bit, bit up and down. He's on a cell phone. Yep. Um, so, but hopefully, you guys can hear it okay. So, here comes Andrew. Righty ho, um, very happy to have again on the show uh, Andrew Messick, the CEO from WTC, to keep us informed on all the things that are happening there. So, welcome back to the show, Andrew. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. 
Um, so, Andrew, we've had uh, some a lot of news coming out of WTC lately. Obviously, it's uh, not part of the racing season at the moment um, to a big extent. But one of the things that you've come up with is the new age group ranking. Um, and there's been, you know, things popping around all over Facebook and other social media about people's feedback on that. I mean, what? firstly, what sort of two questions. What's the feedback been like for you guys, you know, in terms of positive, negative, and also, you know, a few questions we had is, is, is this one day going to lead to sort of Kona qualification, different Kona qualification procedure? I, I, I would against it at this point. I think that we, we like the Kona qualifying process the way it exists right now. Uh, it, it's far from perfect. And I think our current Kona qualifying system makes it uh, extraordinarily difficult for athletes in certain age groups to qualify and relatively simple for athletes in other age groups to qualify. But, but by and large, I think the system works pretty well. But uh, we're always looking at tweaking it. Indeed, I think that age group rankings for us is uh, it's another opportunity for us to leverage the fact that we have a broad portfolio of races around the world uh, and and to try to find ways to encourage athletes to, to race more and to race at different distances. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, I think that you know, the age group rankings are something that we're going to look pretty closely at and, uh, and see how it's perceived and, uh, and embraced by our athletes in Europe and, and we'll make a decision about whether it makes sense to expand it. What about the the point system? I mean, um, I, I quite like the look of it. It seemed quite fair, but how did you actually come up with that? Is it based off some other point system you've seen somewhere in other sports? Um, it, yeah, how, how did you come up with that? It was it was our team in Europe that really came up with the, the basic architecture for for the system. I think the the idea is to you know, obviously to have a couple principles. One. So that regardless of what caliber of athlete you are, you, you earn points at every race. Mm-hmm. So it may be a lot or it may be a little, but, but every race gets you something. But the second is that we wanted there to be incentives for people to race at different distances. Uh, it's something that we hear a lot that you know, there's, there's sometimes too much emphasis for full Ironman racing. And, and we're sensitive to the fact both that you know, there's just limitations in terms of what a typical age group athlete can do in terms of the number of full Ironman races they can they can participate in, but but also that uh, for most of our long distance triathletes uh, that they like doing shorter races and they do shorter races over the course of the season, and so we wanted to to make sure that the system reflected and rewarded that. Um, another piece of news we've had sort of down more our neck of the woods is yeah, the purchase of USM Sports in Australia, um, which is, is interesting. Obviously, we're in New Zealand, Australia. We've, we've talked about it on the show, the implications for, for the athletes racing in Australia. Um, my sort of first question around that is, is that something you're actively looking to do more and more around the world, you know, purchasing existing races? And, and you know, we've seen it in the States with a lot of the 5150 um, races. Is, is that something you're actively looking to do in other parts of the world? We, USM Events was a unique opportunity for us 
it's a unique opportunity given our structure in in the region in in Australia and the fact that we have between Australia and New Zealand you know, four full Ironman races, uh, all of which are sold out, and and yet we have very little little infrastructure. You know, we have uh, we have a small team of people who've done an extraordinary job in in crafting and protecting the Ironman brand, but we don't really have. Uh, a, a fully vetted, fleshed-out organization. So this is an opportunity for us to be able to take advantage of, the, of what USM has in terms of people and resources, uh, which which is beyond our own internal capabilities right now. And, and secondly, the USM events has great events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that NUSA is one of you know, the world's great triathlon events. It's as a multi-sport festival. It was, having gone last year, it was an extraordinary experience. And I think there's opportunities for us to be able to take a lot of the learning that USM guys, my, my new colleagues, have developed over the years and, and look for ways to expand that and create a um, and create more multi-festivals in different parts of the world. Because I think there really is applicability in Europe, North America, and, and across other parts of Asia as well. You know, for years, you know, there's always been this kind of conflict between the different organisations, ITU, Challenge, WTC. Um, you, you, it seems to be that you're kind of kind of trying to blur the lines between competition and maybe think about the good of the sport around the relationships with those people. Do you want to elaborate on your thinking around that? Well, I, I've had very good meetings and, and, and have a very good feeling about our relationship with the ITU. Uh, I've had good relationships and, and good conversations with uh, with various governing bodies, be that USA Triathlon or Triathlon Australia, and and I think that we have we all have an obligation and a responsibility to look for ways to continue to grow the sport of triathlon, and that ultimately I think it's in the interest of of everyone of of companies like WTC or USM, it's in the interest of the ITU, it's in the interest of all of the various partners, be they bike companies or running companies or swimming companies, to be aggressive in looking for ways to bring more people into our sport. Mm. And I think the easiest way to do that is for all of us to really aggressively look for common ground and to find ways that we can capture the imagination of athletes and, and look for and look for ways that that we can make triathlon bigger and, and bring in more sponsors and get more media attention and, and ultimately have more athletes being a part of you know being a part of our sport. And and it's it's an area where we, we have the ability to work together and, and to they want to work together. One area which is obviously um, helping you guys massively at the moment is uh, Lance Armstrong um, turning his hand to triathlon and, and the coverage of, of Panama must have been massive um, for the sport. A couple of questions around that. There were some allegations that came out of Panama that um, about around drug testing and the fact that somebody, I think uh, Rasmus, Rasmus Henning was saying, you know, the drug testing seemed a bit inconsistent. What's your, in, in terms of they said that only third through tenth were randomly drug tested and the top three weren't drug tested. Was that the case? And, and is there a standardization of drug testing across WTC races? Well, well I, I have to say I, I find the, the, the whole 
uh, Tempest in the Teapot to be you know, slightly comical. Uh, part of the part of the whole intention of a drug testing program is to be unpredictable at who you test. And and we tested, we continue to test, and and we believe that as a WADA signatory, uh, our testing is going to continue to be a strong and compelling part of our program. Uh, I think that the you know having predictability about who you're going to test is wrong. And, and in fact, we work hard to, to make sure that no athlete knows whether they're going to get tested or not tested uh, at, at any particular event or out of competition. I mean, surprise is, is the greatest deterrent. And ultimately, a testing program like ours, you know, the deterrent effect is one that is enormously powerful. We don't want athletes to know who's going to get tested. We don't want athletes to know where the tests or when the tests are going to occur. And, and I think it's, it's crazy to imply that, that we would do something as silly as exempt any one athlete from our anti-doping program. Uh, you know, we, we understand that you know, Lance in particular is a guy who has been tested a lot. Um, there has been a lot of press in, in the last few weeks and months and years leading all back to Floyd Landis' allegations that what was then my race, the Amgen Tour of California. Mm-hmm. And, and the notion that we would, we would have a different protocol for one athlete is crazy because there's, there's no way that we could destroy our own credibility fast and to have a different set of rules for, for one of our athletes. So that's a long way of answering, you know, everyone is in the same protocol. Everyone follows the same rules. And, and we continue to, we're going to continue to aggressively, randomly test all of our professional athletes. And, and frankly, I'm not going to tell you who we're going to test mm-hmm. at uh, Ironman 70.3 Texas, for example, and whether we're going to test the winner or the second-place person, the third-place person, the fourth-place person. Um, we prefer that that be a surprise. Does, um, is it very frustrating for you? Because there was a lot of speculation going around saying WTC, you know, have... have you know, made this condition with Lance that they're going to, you know, which it did sound a bit irrational, but does it frustrate you from the inside looking out, seeing, you know, what Lance brings with it in regards to, you know, obviously he's a good thing for the sport, but at the same time, there's all this hoo-ha. Is that frustrating from your perspective? Well, it's not surprising. I think there's, there's a, there's a lot of people who don't know very much about anti-doping programs and, and consequently, you know, they believe that uh, there should be you know, strict rules about who gets tested and who doesn't get tested. Um, but even if you look at races like the Tour de France, you know, they're, they are focusing much more on, on randomly testing athletes and not necessarily having predictability. So um, it, it's not surprising. You know, Lance you know, is a guy who, uh, who, one way or the other, elicits strong, elicits strong opinions. And I don't think that's going to change. But I think what what we are going to embrace as, as a company, and what I hope our sport embraces, is the fact that when when we when he was racing in Panama, you know, we had 150,000 people on Ironman Live following our text updates. Mm-hmm. 150,000 unique mm-hmm. that were that were following Lance's performance and, and the performance of the other athletes who were competing in that race. 
so our opportunity is is to take advantage as a sport of the extraordinary uh, the extraordinary magnitude of the spotlight that someone like Lance Armstrong brings, and and to use that to bring more people into the sport of triathlon and and to create a more compelling competition. Um, you know, the, uh, the last thing I'll say about the anti-doping program is that I would I would say that some of the people who are talking about who was and wasn't tested on the podium are the exact same people who before the race said that there was no chance whatsoever that Lance would make the podium. Mm. And so you know, his, his performance, I think, was a surprise to a lot of people. And I don't think it was a surprise to him, by the way. Mm. But, uh, but the fact that he's competing and competing at an extraordinarily high level, uh, I think, is really exciting for the sport. It's going gonna, it's gonna to create a lot of water cooler conversations about what's going to happen at Kona in October. Yeah, and uh, and he's, he's on track to qualify via points. So I think it's going to be a pretty exciting couple of months. Uh, one of our listeners, Julian Hudson, said that um, was asking about the the talk that there may be live TV coverage of Kona. Is that sort of conditional to Lance being there, and is it a realistic possibility that it could happen? I, I think it's it, it's a possibility. I think it's it's operationally extraordinarily difficult. You know, having being able to create a a race feed for an eight hour live event. Yeah. Is, is a very difficult, very expensive thing to do. It's it's very hard to imagine how you'd be able to convince a television broadcaster to give you eight, nine, ten hours of continuous <laughs> coverage. Um, and there's very few broadcasters who would do it. I think it's it, what I think is most likely is that parts of this will be live, and, and we already do that with some of our some of our European broadcasters. But but that's the race will be live on, on our website. And, and I think that's, uh, that is the natural home for it. It's where most of our place look for, look for the coverage. And, and I think the most likely scenario is, is that'll happen again, but you never know. You never know. But, uh, how do you guys plan, you know, because Kona is a big event in itself and it brings a lot of attention to itself, but, you know, as you're saying, Lance brings 150,000 new uniques to Panama, which I imagine probably got nothing like that in the past. If Lance does turn up to Kona, it's going to be it's going to be a, a huge circus of not just media, but also I imagine it's going to draw bigger crowds. How do you guys logistically plan for that? Well, we've already started the, the operational planning for the domestic races, that he's going to be doing in his first races in April uh, in Galveston, Texas, and we're already looking operationally at how we're going to how we're going to handle that. It's a huge race, and we're going to have 3,000 athletes. The pro field for both men and women is going to be unusually large, and we're looking carefully at how we're going to be handling our pro athletes and we're going to be taking care of all of our pro athletes and doing crowd control and making sure the race course is safe for, for everyone, not just the pros. Um, but for us, that's, that, that's a pleasure because if you're, if you're planning around extraordinary numbers of people who are going to be paying attention to your event, those are the kinds of problems you want to have. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that our success and failure is all about translating, translating those people into people who want to race. And, and who are inspired to do a triathlon and to sign up for, you know, the local sprint distance triathlon and 
and give the multi-sport life a try, we know that once people give it a try, uh, an awful lot of them are, are going are gonna to get a bug and are going to want to race. And, and eventually, you know, all roads lead to Ironman and Dakota. And so we think that's a really good thing to, to get people get people doing their first race. And, and we hope Lance will have Cool. One one final question from one of the listeners, Ned Phillips. He was saying, um, when are we likely to see some races coming back to Asia in terms of iron distance races? Um, because at the moment, you know, we've got uh, races in New Zealand, Australia, but it seems like all the other ones, Korea, China, Japan, Malaysia, have all uh, disappeared. But when are we likely to see some of them coming back? Soon. I, I don't know whether we'll I don't know whether we'll see one in 2013, but we're trying and we're working on it. You know, for us, it's more important that we get it right and that we are able to, to create the kinds of events that reinforce the Ironman brand going to capture the imagination of our athletes and, and that are going to enable us to have long-term, uh, long-term relationships in the region. I'm not satisfied with our, with our ability to those types of relationships quite yet. Um, and it's a frustration because you know, we had 57 Japanese Kona qualifiers and all of them qualified somewhere other than Japan. Mm. You know, Japan deserves an Ironman race. Korea deserves an Ironman race. Uh, we deserve to have them in Malaysia and Singapore. We deserve, you know, the, the region deserves to have them in China. And, and we just need to get ourselves organized to find the right partners, find the right venues, and, and do it. And it's a priority. Mm. Cool. You've been in job for like six months now. You're loving it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I I love triathlon and I, I love Ironman and there's there's so much opportunity. It's uh, it, it's great fun. It's a great privilege to be able to lead this organization, and uh, I'm pretty excited about the future. Awesome. We thank you very much for your time. We know the listeners appreciate you uh, giving up your time to um, tell us what's going on from the inside. So thanks very much for that. And we, uh, we've, we're committed to coming to Kona this year, so we'll look forward to seeing you over there again. Take care. Thanks, mate. You can go for Messiah. We didn't. No. James Botel suggested that uh, you didn't, aborted. Didn't, didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, so we, we try, tried to angle a few questions that guys put up on Facebook in there. So, I, uh, you know, so your thoughts? Um yeah, I think. Just, what, I, I, sorry. I yeah, uh, as we said, you know, I think um, it's just a different way of thinking. Trying to work alongside ITU and challenge and and what have you. As we said, trying to make the pot of athletes bigger. And if we can, uh, if we can do that, then all events are going to to profit from it. So yes, yeah, well, what's good for triathlon is good for all the organisations, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And so I think he clarified the drug sort of thing that yep. Rasmus Henning brought up, and it that did seem a little bit far fetched yeah, um, in terms yeah, of not, not testing. Uh, so it, it is fairly random. Um, and if, you, if people, if you're ever interested in, in drug testing, you know, go do a couple of searches up for for David Howman. We did an interview with him yeah. quite some time ago from Wada. It's incre- it's an incredibly difficult area, and there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, if somebody tested pos- tests positive, if you haven't followed procedure correctly, you know you screw. Some guy just got off recently. Uh, was it a, a gridiron player or a baseball player actually yeah. got off? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just such a difficult area, and if you're dealing with, you know, if you're trying to get off to start with, then it's incredibly expensive. If you've, well, remember talking to Spence Smith about it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Bloody tricky area to deal with. So, um, 
you know, I think they're making progress in that area, and, and yeah, I don't doesn't. I think that if they if Lance Armstrong and James comes up, I guess they're going to test him without it. So no, it all sounds good. You know, they're heading in the right direction. Well, I, I think it's really interesting the shift you see in the sport and the what he's been there eight months, nine months. Yeah, like it's such a short period of time. It's interesting. About two months ago, I went up to um, Auckland for a training weekend for Les Mills, which is my kind of one of my other jobs and. As a part of it, there's about 12 people who are on this training weekend. And um, Rob Fife, who is a very famous New Zealand CEO of mm. our local airline in New Zealand, he's um, been very effective in his job since coming on board and really, you know, done some really amazing things for the company. And he came to talk for us. And it was really fascinating t- listening to him talk as a CEO. And, and he kind of talked that, he sat down and he kind of said, you know, I look at my role as, you know, sure, I can look at margins and all the rest of it, but that stuff, you know, I, most guys can look at and figure out where where can we be tired of, where do we need to go. But really, my role is to build relationships with people. And, and he, he basically just talked about how pretty much all his day, he's just looking at how he can build stronger relationships in all the different areas he needs to in the business and how that makes his business so much stronger by having strong relationships, you know, not just with the the important people, but right down to the to the lowest end people, and it's interesting that Andrew seems to have that same approach. Like, like even just getting in contact with us, he's always pretty easy to get hold of and get well, on the show. Yeah, like now WTC mm-hmm. are approaching us, saying, "Hey, we've got you know these guys to talk about this, that, and the other things." So, whereas in the past, it was always a bit of a journey, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he's doing like you know what? I'm sure he's not perfect, then, but definitely the feel about what WTC are doing right now is really good, and that's obviously the influence he's bringing. So. Mm-hmm. I do think we have to get challenge on. I think we have to get yeah, we'll get Felix, Felix on, on next yeah, week. Especially shows. given they've, they've had these uh, announcements regarding the European mm. Championships, so for sure. Yep. Victoria, if you're listening, just let us know. So, do we want to do sponsor Nick? Coffees of Hawaii. <laughs> of sponsor Coffees of Hawaii. So, guys, many of you guys have probably got your own websites and you've got um, blogs and stuff. Blogs, as we saw a few weeks ago, because we had another great discussion of the great week. Discussion. Amazing, amazing one, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, sorry, Matt, I love you, but just, you know, you, scold you us you, and you, pay the yeah, price. Yeah, exactly. You pay the price. But if you want to actually make a little bit of income selling some Coffees of Hawaii yourself, they have an affiliates program that you can use to put affiliate links on your own websites and you get a commission of anything that gets sold when you do it. And it's great, you know, so if you've got a blog, you know, and if you put Coffee Safari logo on there, you've got to put the right links and all that sort of stuff on there, you get 8% commission on all products except tour tickets. And the good thing is if somebody, they have tracking systems, so if somebody actually goes to that, to Coffee Safari and through your site, through your site and then, but they don't purchase that time. If they come back within the next 30 days, you oh, still really? get a commission on that. Yeah, a lot of websites are like that. So oh, that's they, really they, cool. They, they so it's just not like you have to get the sale straight away mm. that you can then, okay, that's really that's cool. So they might go and say, oh, that's really cool, but I haven't got time to do it now. Come back tomorrow, mm. buy it, and you'll still get your 8% commission. So just I thought I'd just talk about something a little bit different today. So yeah, affiliate programs, you just basically fill in their details. I'll give you the, the code. It's very easy if you've got... Um, uh, in terms of just copying and pasting a little bit of code and you put it on your website and a little logo will pop up. Oh, some people make a lot of money doing affiliate stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. If you, a lot of blogs, mm. if you look at um, a lot of blogs, like it was interesting, I bought an ebook a while ago and the guy, it was, a, it was kind of a, how to teach you some stuff and it was a good little ebook, but within it, he had so many of his, so he said, oh, I really love this product and, he, mm. he, and it was an affiliate link and he, I'm sure he made a lot of money from the book, from not just the book that I bought, but also from the links that he was kind of recommending. 
it's coffeeswithhawaii.com um, click on iamtalk.me and that's got all in the logo on there it's got all the different discount codes you want to get you some coffee go get it if you want to make some money for you guys with websites go and check it out and get uh, an affiliate link set up so go make coffeeswithhawaii.com sure you, yeah, make sure you do because it's like a bit of a no brainer mm. and everyone loves coffees of Hawaii exactly it's the coffee of triathlon you like right. that oh, I just made that up Albert you can take it there you go the coffee of triathlon there you go and the world Bevan I think you need some music for your oh what kind of music should I use the coach's corner with Bevan James Isles okay here we go I'm going to put some music on oh I'm pretty excited do you want what, what, do you, what, what music okay I'm going to give you, you some themes and you say what you think I am yep. okay so wait a second do you think I am cinematic no <laughs> do you think I'm country um, electronic yeah jazz yeah orchestral rock urban or world Oh, I think world, but okay. you're quite, you're quite worldly, worldly, aren't you? I wasn't quite Hong Kong yesterday, yeah, so yeah. pretty worldly. Here's some world. Corner. I feel a little bit funny doing it by myself, John. What was your weed? Uh, Bevan James Isles. Oh, really? Uh, it sounds <laughs> nice. a bit of French bloody music rolling on. What did you say there? Today. Today, Bevan James Isles? Bevan James Isles. Where can you speak my French? Sorry? Can you say anything else? Uh, no, not today. Don't put, put, don't put me on the spot, but I can cope with a bit of French. Can you? I can cope. I was, like, I was in Hong Kong last weekend doing some work. Hong Kong's a little bit different. I lived there for a while. I can't speak any uh, Cantonese. No, man, and, and you just think, man, I'd hate to have to learn another language. French is okay, Cantonese. So I got an email through this week from um, Ryan, Ryan somebody, Ryan, he didn't give me his last name, Ryan, and he's basically just saying that, and, and we'll, we'll, I'm not really answering his question in general, but I'm just going to kind of talk about a subject that I kind of thought about as doing this, and maybe we can give him some tips on what was happening. So he's basically saying he's been doing Triathlon for a while, and he's been performing pretty well, he did, um, he podiumed or almost podium in his age group and a half or not so long ago and he's 25 years old but recently he had an accident and he's currently dealing with a fracture in his heel bone doctor's orders on crutches self in a definite amount of time it's been three weeks at this point walking isn't in my near future so obviously never is biking or running i've been maintaining fitness through swimming daily now i'm really struggling mentally and inhibited in doing what i love and feel like every day i'm not biking running my fitness is getting less and less last year at this time i was cycling four hours followed by a two-hour run now i swim 45 minutes and i'm done my motivation is severely dropping and i have a hard time remaining focused it's getting really depressing which is kind of interesting because we're talking about this next week but it's hard for me to eat right and all the rest of it so he's kind of saying how Injury has taken him away from the thing he loves, and he's really struggling around, you know, how to get through this time. And, and maybe you can add some thoughts to this, but it kind of got me thinking on the... Here comes the piece of paper. I did my piece. <laughs> it got me thinking on the idea of one of the downfalls of our sport that we need to really consider in, in the big picture of life. And, and the, the concept that really got me thinking about was the danger of your life being based on one area for esteem mm-hmm. and and so I thought I'd break it down to a few couple of sections the first is what is the issue with that so when we think about our sport and, and I was actually I went out for when I was in Hong Kong Luke Miller and his wife Rachel I went out to a lunch with them and I kind of was talking about this and I was just talking about one of the downfalls of Iron Man is that it's such an esteem building thing and, and often when I talk to people outside of the sport I'll say how you know for most people in their life going for a six hour bike ride 
would be the biggest thing they would ever do. And, you know, and when they do that, they feel absolutely amazing. And, mm. you know, so the esteem that comes along with the training of the sport is phenomenal. And then if you consider that we do that, you know, every week, often, you can see why it's such, it's such an addictive and attractive thing to go towards. And so that, that esteem we chase is really addictive. But then at the same time, it can lead us to being unhealthy in, in other areas. And, and like, for example, with Ryan right now, now, he's kind of really restricted. But when it comes to injury, often I mean triathletes keep training in really unhealthy ways because of this esteem that they have. Like, they can't let it go. And so that really got me wondered. It got me kind of thinking about, well, how do we counter that in a way when we can still train? So, like, if the issue is that we have one area of life that gives us all our esteem, what should we be doing outside of our training to make sure that we are developing other sides of ourselves so that, you know, like, for me, I was fortunate enough that towards the end of my career I realised that I needed to develop myself in other areas so that when the time came for me to stop, I actually had no problem stopping Ironman. It wasn't like, you know, and, and like, I, I really have stopped. I don't really do any training for Ironman at all. And... Um, and that was because I'd spent time developing these other things in myself that it was easy for me to move on from. And so I suppose the discussion is around how can you start to develop other things in your life that are going to give you esteem when you are still training for an Ironman? And so, so what are the problems that are in the way when you're doing it? And the first thing I think of is that with our sport, and if you're a typical person who has a normal job, maybe even a family, time is limited. You know, and, and to be honest, you want to put most of your time into your training. So... I think you've got to be realistic around what you can fit into the extra time you have. So, you know, if we're going to go, how do we prioritise our time? Okay, first of all, it's probably going to be family, work, then training. So if you are looking to build something else for esteem in your life, <clears throat> excuse me, what's something else that you can add but you can only commit a small amount of time to? So for me, I did my music. Now, when I did Ironman, you know, nowadays I play my piano for around an hour and a half to two hours a day. When I was doing Ironman, that wasn't realistic. But I still tried to get one of my mates to come around every couple of weeks and have a jam every couple of weeks on the guitar. And it was just a nice way to keep me in music enough that I still had a bit of, you know, still had a bit of a play around that. So if you are thinking that all your esteem is based on just your training, what's an area that you can add into your life that you could put in, but also in a way that's just a small amount right now that, you know, so if you were to pull away from training so much, like, you know, Ryan right now, if he had another hobby or another interest, learning a language, learning a language, yeah, like something like that right now, he could be putting a lot of time into that and you, you have to accept that, okay, well, maybe I can't train so much right now. But that gives me an opportunity to spend some more time, in my case, to play music. And that once my injury is overcome, I'll be able to get back into training and not, you know, move away from that real negative self-esteem around not being able to train. Other things, so so first of all is what can you do with the limited amount of time you do? Mm-hmm. The other thing to think about is, and this is really typical in my industry, is that think of something outside of sport. Now, in my industry, it's really interesting because you see people who move into fitness and they become very passionate about it. So, mm-hmm. you'll see, you'll, you'll, you know, I've been doing it for a long time now. You'll see people come in. And they'll move into a gym environment or into a fitness environment and they get all this esteem so their life becomes consumed by it. So they'll be spending 80 hours a week at the gym and training mm-hmm. and, then, and loving it. But then after a period of time, it gets a bit stale mm-hmm. and they'll want something else. And, and, you know, when you work in fitness, it's always about other people. So they want something else. So what do they do? They go and sign up for a race, mm-hmm. you know. And so the only area they look for esteem is in sport. And, you know, again, if I go back to my music example, it's really nice to have a hobby that's not around more energy out 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not that piano doesn't have energy out, but it's not as in regards to like going for a two-hour bike ride. Wine tasting. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but you know, like yeah, that's a healthy, thing, you know, like yeah. that, you know. And so, if you think about, okay, well, I am too built up in the steam in one area. Okay, well, how much time can I commit? You know what? If I could put two hours a week into something new, okay, well, what would that two hours be? Now, maybe something that's not going to be so energy consuming. So something like music, something like a hobby that you've always been interested in, or maybe it's a hobby you've been interested in in the past, and it's time to go back to it. Cooking classes. I'm just throwing in. No, no, but here. I think I know you're taking the piss, but you're I'm actually, not. You're, you're actually things, right. That's the things I like doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. But and so, and so then we go. Okay, well, then what else do we need to think about it? Well. Committing to doing it is, is really important and making it a priority and, and maybe even setting some targets around it like you would with your training. So if you are, you know, like we are quite process-driven in training and we are type working towards an outcome. And so if you are thinking about adding a new hobby and it might be a cooking class or wine tasting or something like that. I try, I try to skip to sign up to dance classes because I'm a crap dancer. John, you'll be Elvis Presley in no time. <laughs> hasn't quite happened. I, I, I got some, but it hasn't happened yet. But yeah, but so like that's that. the thing is that because it will be the priority fourth thing in your life, mm. it's the first thing that's going to drop. Mm. And so it, it, it may end up becoming that guilt thing, that thing where you always go, oh, you know, I'm meant to be doing that thing, but I never get around to doing it. So setting some realistic targets around small time frames within that. So for me, when I was racing, it was just getting a jam in every couple of weeks and maybe even just play my guitar once within that time. Now, mm-hmm. it was a small target, but it got me maintaining my music while I was doing this thing that was very consuming. Then when time moved on from the sport where I was consuming so much energy into my sport, I was able to put more into music. So, you know, set some targets around it. And then I suppose the other thing to think about in regards to it is how can you try to maybe include other people in doing it? And so, and why is that? Like, it's, it's interesting, I know I'm using music as an example quite a lot now, but I think it's a good one, is that my life is fitness. You know, if I'm not doing fitness or I'm not teaching other people fitness, I tend to be talking about fitness. You know, like, the show is fitness, my other mm. podcast is fitness. You know, when people talk to me, you know, my, their go-to subject is fitness. And so, whereas when I sit down with musicians, they don't care about fitness. Mm. You know, like, when I when did that jam the other night, they go, what do you do with your job? I, I, I work in fitness. Oh, yeah. Anyway... Mm. You know, they, you know, they don't care about talking about fitness and they just want to make music and you get to know people in other ways. And I think for us... But they could equally fall into that trap of music being their only thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I think if we're just kind of being kind of selfish mm. and, and looking at this kind of... If we do look at bringing that other esteem area into our life, it's also to think of different ways of including other people into your life that's mm. not always talking about... Because the thing about Iron Man is that it's so amazing to the world, everyone else who's not in our world, mm. that... You become the thing that, you know, like people oh, talk yeah. to you always, oh my God, I can't believe you tell me all about yeah, it. Yeah. So you end up just talking about Iron Man all the time. And yep. so if you do cooking classes mm. and, you know, you get someone who's passionate about cooking, mm. you, you're exposing yourself to different areas of life. And also it, it introduces you to new people and the social aspect of, you know, our sport does sometimes pull us away from social. So it includes some social around what you're doing. So I suppose. Why, why is this important is that I ultimately think that we want to be developing the whole person and while the sport does do so much to develop your character, there is some flaws in it that does pull us away from or, or leads us too much towards only being esteemed for coming from one area in our life. And that, and to me, does create a little bit of danger, mm. especially in situations where, like Ryan right now, where he's injured because the thing that gives him his most esteem has suddenly disappeared and it doesn't seem like he maybe has something else that can build towards during this time. 
So look for some other quick tips is maybe look for the areas that you have insecurities in so you could actually use this as a self-development time or the area that you always feel you're missing out on. So for me, when I was doing Iron Man, whenever I saw a music, like I remember seeing that movie Ray, about Ray Charles, and I was gutted because I was always thinking, I really need to play piano, you know, that Mm. was, so, you know, what's that thing that you always think to yourself, oh, I wish I was still doing that. You know, you can't do it to the level that you're always doing it, but in this time frame, what time frame can you do in it and what's a small step that you can achieve right now? Mm. Any thoughts? All good. I'd say uh, to help Ryan out for the situation he's in at the moment, I mean, I think it's all good stuff. However, he probably wants to have some also some yeah, goals yeah, around yeah, no, this. Yeah, totally. yeah, Mine was off his question, but yeah. But but also, yeah, around that, you just um, if you're in that situation, set yourself up with some swim specific goals. You know, like um, if especially if you're a weaker swimmer, trying to develop the ability to be able to swim. I am, you know, set yourself up with a, a IM meaning what individual medley. Okay. So learn how to do butterfly. If you can learn to do the other strokes, then it's actually going to help your swimming. Significantly in terms of your your feel for the water, your balance for the water. So try to try to learn the other strokes and do some time trials. Set yourself up with a two hundred meter um, IM time trial, and then work on the other strokes and, and try to develop that way. So there's always there's always a way. I know I, I know you were coming at it from a different angle, but yeah, yeah. My, 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 he just brought up a thought in my mind. Yeah. I suppose the other thing for him is, is strength training. Yep. You know, like you might not be able to do much leg work right now, but you could develop some strength training, maybe not trying to put on size, but you could develop some, some longer sets where you're actually trying to get some endurance strength in that could actually be really beneficial and some good flexibility work as well. Like so swim cord work. Yeah, all that kind of stuff as well. So you can spend some time developing some strength that will actually be to the advantage of your triathlon career once you get back into it. Mm. But I definitely agree. We, we often talk about balance and uh, and it's an area that, well, the majority so, of us struggle with especially well, so hard in families. sport because it t- our sport takes up so much time mm. you know and, and to do it well you know but I just you know you see a lot of people in the sport who should have stopped mm. you know they're no longer trying to get better they no longer have passion but it's just it's the only area of life they know that they can do well at and yep. actually they're not growing anymore mm. and what the thing that drove them so much early on has disappeared but it's just it's the only thing they know and for me the only way you can move away from that is to develop another area and I think that if while you're in the sport, if you can develop that other area just on the side, then the transition away from the sport is a healthier place to be. I think you can you can, you can do coach's corner every week if you like, Bevan. I'm happy to. No, oh, no, that's, to, uh, to that's my once every six years. <laughs> I'll take that. Every six years. No, no, I think I did it one other time as well. I said twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, questions. Oh, sponsor. Oh, sponsor. Anthinks.com. Ironman New Zealand's coming up this weekend, people. Oh, so we're going to give the Ironman New Zealand love, are we? We are going to give Ironman oh, Kellogg's Nutrigain Ironman oh, New Zealand. Nice. And on Anthinks, we've, we've told you in the past that a few. Go in there and just put the the events. Type in the name of the event under the events um, button, and then click go. It'll tell you uh, if that event's already loaded up, and you can put in there, add it to your calendar, and then you can add in your little goals. Well, um, uh, Steve Newman from mm-hmm. Australia, from Wollongong, with New South Wales, Australia. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna take out the, the athletes race. He is he is his, his RPI. He's going for a big goal. He's expected to finish in the top nineteen percent in his age group. But he's, his PB is ten sixteen. Mm-hmm. Now he might be being a bit optimistic here. He's done fifty two races, so he's been on there for a bit. Yeah. So he's obviously pretty experienced. Nine thirty five. He's trying to knock off a good forty minutes. Nice, Cam Langsford. His Cam's got a nickname. I don't know what it is. I can't remember. Um, but he's uh, looking at a ten twenty. 
So that'll be a PB by six. Jennifer uh, Davis, he's just not even looking to finish. Daddy, <laughs> oh, Daddy Death's up there. Where did I see his name? Yeah, he's, he's looking the, for 10.59. Sub-11. Sub-11. There's lots of people on here who have put, uh, Steve Richards put 10.59, 59. Lots of people just want to wait break barriers. Tony Hodge, though, she's put 13 hours. Why not go for 12.59, 59, Tony? There you go. Good old the mountain snail. He even got the mountain snail in his athlete's name. That, that's what we're talking about, team. 10.49. Craig Brighthouse, he's looking at 9.59.58, so he's not looking to go one second down. No, he's he was, looking at two <laughs> seconds down. Giving himself a bit of time for rest at the end. Yeah. Warren Sutherland's going for 10.45 as well. Andrew Abbey's going for 11.59.59. John Cox, he's going for yeah, 11.59.59. Gary Flynn, 11.30. Well, how much oh, psychologically that actually impacts you? Like in the race, you know, like the people who go for 12 hours. Because there's a really good book out at the moment called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. Mm-hmm. It's by this uh, fascinating book. It's kind of behavioural psychologist dude. And uh, he's talking about golf and talking about how actually if you – they did this research on the guys who, um, you know, like right from Tiger Woods right down to, you know, and thousands and thousands of – like looking at the analysts of thousands and thousands of putts. You putt better if you're putting for – to avoid a bogey than right. if, you putt, if you're putting for par. Because the pressure of the moment makes you putt better, whereas when you have, even if a birdie, no, sorry, you putt better for par than a birdie. Yeah. So if you're going for a birdie, you think to yourself, oh, if I miss it, it doesn't matter. Mm. Whereas mm. for a par, you, if you miss it, you're going for a bogey. So you work harder, you actually focus more when there's a problem. Mm. And whereas, because when you go for a birdie, you go, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm okay. You know what you've got to do? What's that? You've got to be the ball. You've got to be the ball. <laughs> be the ball. <laughs> but I wonder in these situations where the person goes, oh, 12 hours, you know, they go, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm close to 12. Whereas the person who goes 10.59 or 11.59 goes, I've got to get there. The danger is you can use these as a bit of motivation, but I always say focus on the process of yep. what you're going through. So it's kind of nice to have these goals, but hey, you might be selling yourself short, you might be totally unrealistic, but focus on the process when you're out oh, there. Oh, there's heaps of people on here, John. There is. Andrew Ebby, 1059-59. Carl Brevig from New South Wales. I didn't put a time down, Carl. Uh, um, oh, we lost two, last... two more. Uh, let's see. Lisa Hughes. Gareth Flynn, 11.30. And you do one more, Bevan. Owen Hughes. Oh, there must be a pair. I thought it together. Varsity Lakes are lovers. Or brothers. Brothers. Sisters. <laughs> Lovers or sisters and brothers. There you go. Athletics.com, guys. Check it out. It's a great place to keep track of all your results, everything that you're doing. Good luck to everyone doing IMN New Zealand this weekend who's on Athletics. Next Kellogg's week, Nutri-Grain next week we'll New say Zealand. who won yes. the Athletics race. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I should be able to do that. Yep. There we go. Okay, John. Um, questions and answers. Michael Threadgold. He had a question. Uh, I know this, is, this was question was actually around extreme endurance, um, but it's also it got me thinking. Wrap it um, up. Give us the wrap-up question. So he started taking extreme endurance last year in the run-up to his first 70.3, found it really helped re- recovery and in training and post-race. He took a break out of winter, but thinking about getting back on it ahead of a marathon in April. However, I'm signed up to have my first complete um, VO2 max slash lactate threshold test done in a couple of weeks. Since this will be giving me my training zones for the year ahead, should I hold off on the extreme endurance until after the test? Have any measurable effect on the test, or would you recommend being on it for the test? Um, So rather than just having this being around extreme endurance, I think it's really important to recognise that when you're getting um, exercise testing done, Typically, people are going to get it done, as in the case with Mike here, maybe at the start of the season or early in their build-up so they've got their zones sort of established for their training. So, yes, extreme endurance may well um, change where your zones are established, um, but equally, 
the training you do between when you get the test and race day are also going to, to change as your fitness improves. So what I'd really say is when you get your exercise testing done, that gives you a starting place for your zones. So you can set your zones off there. Often um, lab exercise testing uh, is a little bit different to what you actually experience in the real world. You know, running on a treadmill is different to running on a road. Biking on an indoor trainer, the, the numbers there are sometimes a bit different to what you'll experience out on the road. So what I'd really suggest is that do the test, set your zones up, and then you will have to refine them slightly as you move through the, through the season. As I said, they're not going to move massively when you're going to be taking extreme endurance. Um, they're not going to move massively in terms of your training, but they will shift. But they're going to shift um, in a way that um, your, your zones are potentially going to be set a little bit too low. So if you stick to those zones, yeah. you're not going to be going too hard. You're potentially going to be going a little bit easier. So that's okay. Whenever you've got zones, what I really encourage people to do is rather than saying, I must ride between 200 and 215 watts or I must ride between 140 and 145, much better off just setting yourself some, some limits that you're not going to go across and then riding a bit more to feel. So if you're cruising along in an Ironman race and you know the top of your steady zone or um, is say 140, if you're riding along and, you're, um, and your heart rate's 125 but your speed's good, your feeling's good, you, you, you think you're really on a nice pace there you don't need to push to get up to that heart rate I think find it much more effective just to have some limits that you don't want to cross over when you're on the flat and then also some, some limits for the for climbs as well so as far as it's concerned for you Mike you know, I'd say go do the tests whether you're on the extreme endurance or not, doesn't matter once you get into your racing season have a look at um, and, and do some, some, some in training testing and doing some time trials and stuff have a look at, at how your zones are sort of matching up and what you've got to test as to time trials, as to how you perform in races. You'll then refine them a little bit, and when it comes around to your A race later in the season, you should hopefully have them um, pretty much bang on. Love your work. Nicknames. There, there any, oh, nicknames. Okay, sorry, I was, I was daydreaming for a little bit there. But that's all good. Nicknames, important time of the year, Bevan. I sent Bevan an email last yep, week. He said, are we doing it? He asked me 10 times. I've asked him 10 times. And I have never given him a clear answer. He goes, well, I'm going to Sweden. I'm going there. And I said, because we've, we've got to get quite a few repairs done on our house from the earthquake. And we forgot to acknowledge this last week. Last week was one year on from the Christchurch yeah, earthquake. Which we say thank you for all you guys for everything you did. It's a bloody big deal. And, and my house got a bit battered around. It's, it's fine, but it's just got a lot of, a lot of cracking in it. And uh, we're basically going to have to move out for about three weeks. And I was saying, well, we're planning on moving out. If we go to Kona, we're going to move, move out then. And no, the can you plan that? Well, our contractor, we've got quite a close relationship with. Is that a contractor that I know? No. Oh, okay. But. Uh, but if we book it in now, we can sort of lock it in. <coughs> so I was saying, well, if we go to Kona, I want to kind of book it in now. So you're away from the so house. So we're away and Belinda can be Because it's a real hassle. Like my parents are in the house for six weeks, and so they've had to hire this house, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a real mission. So Belinda can go to Kiteri Terry. I'll be in Kona for a week of it, and I'll go up to Kiteri for a couple of weeks as yeah. well. So I said to Bevan, are we going to Kona or not? Yeah. And Bevan gave the affirmative. I said, yes, it's on like Donkey Kong. And it's, it's a, on! It's a big expense for us because not only do we have to pay to get over there and, and do all the razzmatazz we do over there but also for both of us we're self-employed as a week off work so yep. we don't really make anything extra off it so in the past you guys have contributed to it which has been awesome so any donations that you make to the show go to our sort of Kona fund and yep. you get a nickname yep so we and need your help to get to Kona and these people have given us nicknames and John you're starting off 
Tim the Crusader Perkin. Where did that come from? Because I looked on Athlinks on Tim's profile, and he was all wearing red and black. Nice. He's a Canterbury boy, is he? That's weird. He's he's not, but he's... uh, can- red now. and black is the colours for Canterbury and our rugby team is called the Crusaders. So nice. Crusaders. Love your work. Mad. Oh, sorry. Paul Monk. Yeah, I wanted to go with the Monk thing and no, I thought I was it was Zen Monk. And then I thought, no, no, we're going to... Don't mess with the Mad Monk. <laughs> right. Like nice. that. Yeah. I was going to say, don't mess with the Monk. And they're like, no, I need to put something else in there. Don't mess with the Mad Monk. Paul Monk. Um, Nadine Flower Power Voice. She, nice. She, she's already got the nickname. She's a good supporter. She's given us support she, in the past. She, she, she got one of the Blue 70 wetsuits. Yeah, she love you, uh, Nadine. And we're, we're loving you, Nadine. She's racing Ironman New Zealand this weekend. So. Go, you good thing. And she said, make sure you do a really long show because she's driving up there, I think, today to Taupo. Well, we're only just reached halfway. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> You're next. Um, You've even got a definition for this one, John. Ma- Mark. I'm curious to see Jetsky. where this comes from. And um, I think it's J E S K E. Mark. Jets, I think it probably is. Uh, Pollux. Now tell me about it. Because Mark, on his, his athletes photo, he's doing the old thumbs up. Yep. And so I thought, well, can I I'm not going to call him Mark thumb, Thumbs Up. Yep. And so I looked for the, the medical term for thumb, which is pollex. <laughs> so it comes from the, the Latin pollen, and so your thumb, the medical term for that is your pollex, which means, and also it comes from the Latin polare, which means to be strong. Wow, so you're educating him as well. There you go, Mark. Oh, so be strong. Yeah, be, well, yeah. yeah I think pollex. we'll call it take a piece. I think it'd rather be called be strong than thumb. Well, you, can chew, you can chew. No, it's called pollex. That's no, 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 but the meaning. Okay. Like if strong. a chick goes, what does it mean? Oh, it means thumb. Be strong. That's it's a Latin meaning. <coughs> it's kind of like Kia Car, because that's be strong as well. Exactly, exactly. All right. Yeah. Or stand strong or something. Stand tall. Paula Green. Oh, is it Paula? Yeah. <laughs> this might not work so much. <laughs> <laughs> the Flying Matador. That works. Can you have female matadors? <laughs> we can now. We can now. <laughs> we're, we're in the new, we're 21st century. I was going to go down the green line, and I was like, oh, you don't want green, because then you get like bogey and crap like that. And I was like, don't want to do that. And so then I was just, I went on the old website, internet, and thought, I'll look up something around green, and Flying Matador came up. I thought, that's a cool name, man. Right. Flying Matador. But I'm not sure, but I thought it was Paul Green. So sorry, Paula, but you're, you're the Flying Matador now, Paula. The Flying Matador Green. I'm trying to, to think it. why I came up with this next one, but. This is, I've got two options here. Um, David, I think I am manly. <laughs> Where's <laughs> that, that come from? It's just, I think I am manly. But then, but then the other oh, one was... Oh, okay. That's all right. Um, the other one was boxer. David the boxer manly. But I can't remember why I came up with boxer. That's a bit weak. Must have been saying regarding their photo. Damn it. Oh. Sorry, David, but... The bo- I actually like your first one. I think okay. I am manly. David, I think I am manly. No, how about you think I am? Yeah. Everyone thinks I am. Yeah, there we go. Everyone thinks I am. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Everyone thinks I am. Manly. Nice. Tom, how that one? Bergma? Bergmeer? Bergmeer? Okay. The landlord. Because nice. he owns you. There you you like that one? There yeah. You go. The landlord. <laughs> just before we go on to get into the wrap up, um, just I was over in Hong Kong last weekend and I, and I met a few people. Who, or Edward Wong came and came and he's a listener of the show and he does triathlon over in Hong Kong and he came and did my, the training that we did. And we, um, we, we, like, it's a full on three days. You basically educate, push them mentally, push them physically. And we did this, we did this session where it's like an hour of exercise, but an hour of absolutely just killing yourself. And Edward, mate, I gotta give Edward some plugs, man. This boy, because you're doing, like, it's pump, I was teaching pump, so you're, they're doing big weights, you know, you, you know, and, and with, the idea was trying to overload them for short periods of time. And most guys would, you know, have like 20 kgs. Edward would have like 40 kgs and just absolutely killing himself. I was yeah. loving it. So I thought I'd give Edward some love. So what well on Edward. Nice to meet you over in Hong Kong. Anyway, sponsors. 
Athlinks.com. Um, you too can be a winner of the Athlinks race. Coffees of Hawaii. Just makes money off them. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. And extreme endurance. Just makes you faster. There we go. John, what's your goss? What is my goss? Little bit apprehensive. I've got to run 10Ks tonight. Oh, you got your 10K race tonight? Oh, Time prediction. Time prediction. Well, it's a tricky course, and I'm, I'm going to be realistic. You know, when I say when I was building up for the Auckland Marathon, I was probably in getting close to 33 minute 10k pace. Yep, that's pretty um, good. But if I break 36, I'll be somewhat satisfied. Oh, wow, so they're much slower. <laughs> yep. But it's a tough course. It is a reasonably tough. It's got uh, it's four, four hills in it. Yeah, it's pretty much all up and down, actually. But is so, it the one that goes around the back? Uh, you basically start at Horswell Quarry, you run over the two little hills there, and then you sort of run up to the end of that street. Oh, so right you stay on the road. Yeah. Oh, so you're not in the quarry. Oh. So it's going to be nasty. But I, yeah, I've, I've got the time, whatever. I'm, I'm more focused on actually, um, it just sounds a bit cliche, but the process side of it, and if I can hold myself together, um, and when the going gets tough, how I sort of react in that situation. So the time, it's really just giving me sort of a really big kick in the pants and say, hey, come on, you're in pretty woeful shape. But uh, if I can now execute the race and race hard the whole way, the time is whatever it is. John, I have a question. Yes. Are you doing the Christmas marathon? Highly unlikely, but potentially because um, my camp in Kona is the week before that, so I'll be getting back on Wednesday. The marathon's on, like, Sunday. Well, what's your big race then? Because you um, said you needed a race Auckland marathon. Oh, Auckland again. It's like, can you come back? Yes. Can oh, take yeah. it out? Yeah. Any other goss? Any other goss? Um, oh, nothing. To, uh, I was in a pub quiz on Friday night. Oh, the pub quiz. The pub quiz champions. I was not, Did you win? I was not a high-contributing um, member of the team. But you won? We won. What'd you yeah. win? Um... We won a <laughs> bottle of wine. This is a true story. We what up, pub did you go to? It was actually at the Cashmere Club. It was a fundraiser for, yep. um, for uh, the parenting centre. Yep. As we go up to get our prize, we went to a tiebreaker. Oh, tie. what was the last question? Um, I'll do that in a second. Okay, and I'll see if I can get it. We, yes. went, up, we went up to, the, um, to, to pick up our prize, and uh, we got a bottle of wine each. And it was the sixth six guy on the team, Malcolm, he got given us wine. A wine each? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, he, and he looks at the bottle and he goes, hang on a minute, this bottle's only half full. What do you mean? And uh, the organisers of it had obviously uh, decided to polish off one of the <laughs> bottles of wine and forgot to finish it. But there was, luckily it was a replacement. So we got that and then we got, um, you either got a car wash or a two burgers from Burger Wisconsin down the hill oh, from us. Oh, each? Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin burgers are nice, all. man. There was no prizes for second or third, yeah, so we were quite lucky. Is that burger? Are they good burgers or big burgers? So the tiebreaker, there was four, okay, five tiebreaker so. questions. And they go, they go, we have a winner. And we got the f- first four questions wrong. And we thought, well, it can't be us. So everybody got the first four questions, tiebreakers wrong. They were really so hard. So it came down to one question. Came down to one question. Okay, ask me the question. The question Don't is. Don't give me the answer. The year, oh, I don't know the exact year. I think it was around <laughs> World War One. Yep. Um, I think in America, there was 130 million households. How many transistor radios were there in America? In that time, how many? Yeah, how many people had transistor radios? I would say zero. No, hopefully, I got my. No, I mean, no transistor. World, just, just, like just, just a radio. No, just a radio. A oh, radio. like a wireless. How many had a radio in their household? One hundred and thirty million. Yeah. I don't think the radio came out until the twenties, didn't it? Because that's when jazz became really big. I'm pretty sure it was World War One. <laughs> you got your question right. I, I, and you got it right. 
Well, yeah, we, I mean, we're did they give you zones? No, well, we must have got. Well, I think we must have get closer. How do they know exactly the number? <laughs> did they go five thousand thirty-three? Must have a, a, um, a broad range. Broad range. Or maybe it was whoever got closest. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was World War One. No, I can't because I remember. Well, no, I couldn't, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to say I'm right on this, but I remember I studied jazz, and Duke Ellington was really big because the radio became. He was like the first. Let's say it was World War Two then. <laughs> let's just run. So, so it's the nineteen and the nineteen forties. One hundred thirty pe- million people. And let's say it was World War Two. Just I'd say it was still. Uh, I'd say fifty million. You'd be pretty close. Oh, really? What was we it? We said thirty million. We sort of went. Uh, we went one and four. Yeah, yeah, roughly. And you got it right. We were closest. Wow. Other question for you, New Zealanders. This was an interesting one. So okay. if you're listening to this, maybe we should, we maybe should have a quiz session every week. Yeah, you have to pause at once because this you have to acquire a bit of thought. How many New Zealanders? have won two Olympic gold medals. So if you're listening to this and you want to think about it, pause now because we're going to give you the answer in a second. Oh, um, I'm just going to play my butt really quickly. I'm going to say about eight. Well, Bevan, that was a good butt pull. Did I get it right? Yeah, but... This, <laughs> yeah! But, but <laughs> in the quiz you would have got a tick for being right. But in fact, when we did our research afterwards, I did it the other night, there's actually ten. Oh, so, well, wait a second. Well, sorry, so did I get it wrong? The quiz, well, the quiz night, you would have got it right. Yes, that's pretty good. Put that on my butt. Well, we actually, I'm pretty good at pulling the. <laughs> you know what I'm say we actually got it. Uh, we got it wrong, <laughs> but apparently, I think it's ten. Well, yeah. well, well, at least not because the list is probably a bunch about New Zealand. Mm. I can oh, I name quite a few of them, but um, a couple you wouldn't get. I'm pretty happy, mate. I'm pretty happy I pulled that one out. Even what's been happening in your world? Well, John, I'm a person. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. It really sucks. It sucks really much because, do you know why? Because it was like a dirty smell. Mm. Like smell, you know what? We all smell a little bit at times. Mm. And you know what? I can't give too many people people a hard time about being smelly because I've been known to be a bit smelly myself over the years. But it was a little bit kind of a gross, dirty smell. And so I'm sitting next to this person. And and because I was going to swap seats Mm. because I was on the plane. Last man on the plane? No, no, because I was with friends. So I couldn't do my last man on the plane strategy. But I was going to ask to swap. So um, because I was on like a two on the aisle Mm. with two seats. So. I went down, my friend was in front of me, so she sat down and I said to the girl next to her, oh, look, I might swap with you because, my, you know, and she, and she was like, cool. And then I went down to my seat and I sat next to the guy and I was like, I can't ask her to swap because <laughs> it was it was that bad. And so then I'm sitting there and and it was just wrong. And so I had basically had to turn my head to the right for the whole flight. Like I had a small <laughs> neck at the end of it. And and I remember, because I, I probably slept for seven hours, I had a pretty good sleep on the plane. But I remember waking up because of the smell. It was, <laughs> oh, no. it was not good. And so then we're leaving the plane, and even the plane he was standing in front of me, he just kept, he, I, couldn't, I couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> and we're even like walking out of the airport, and he's like, there he is, but go! <laughs> so it wasn't a very nice oh, flight. Yeah. yeah, it's a big flight too. It's like a 10 11 hour hours. Flight, 11, hours. 11 hours of smell. Mm. Yeah, I think you should insist on flying business. Go yeah, yeah. Pick up your game, please. I know. I, do. I need to say hello to Richard from Hong Kong. Mm. Richard, you'll know why. Richard from Hong Kong, hello. Um, what else, John? I'm off to Wellington this weekend. Jesus. Wendy Wellington. I fly for me. I'm a little bit sick of travelling, to be honest. Mm. And then I'm home for a while. Right. Not much else happening. No. That's it. No. Anything else happening? No. I'm looking forward to the tricep challenge. Really? Are you looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to it? To it. <laughs> it's a highlight of the that 2012 for you. That could be pretty interesting. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe the real challenge could be to help the servers serve the food and the tries to do the lollies. The yeah, that would be the challenge. Hand out the lollies. Yep, there, there we go. Now we're taking it to the next level. Try to challenge in the lollies. Okay. Oh dear. Right here. That's a biggie. I'm Russ. Can we do the wetsuit challenge in the tricycle? We're wearing wetsuits oh. at the top. Yeah, true. That's do something else in the. Go for a bike ride in tricycles. We've time as well because the battery's just about to run out. So. I'm Russ. I mean, uh, train hard. Train smart. Oh, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. Back it up. Um, Legends of Triathlon is coming out uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is it the first tomorrow? Yeah, we haven't actually done the interview tomorrow. Or the next is couple it, of no, days. It's twenty nine days this month. Okay. Leap year. Leap year. Well, wow. There you go. Do you know anyone born on leap year? No, I do. Do you? Mills? Yep. Oh, okay, she was nice. born on leap year, so she's technically she's thirty four now. How old would she be? So it's four, about eight and a bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Legends Triathlon, we haven't done the interview yet. Uh, we're doing it tomorrow, and it's going to be good times. Good times. Who are we interviewing? We are interviewing. It's going to be a bit different. It's going to be. Um, this is an interesting one, isn't it? We tried to get Liz McDonald, didn't we? Yeah, it's going to be Lauren Barnett. She's the. Um, oh, no, I haven't done a story, actually. But it's <laughs> I'll just say, she's. she's Executive, I don't know. She's one of the main, main person, one of the main people at ITU, and she's been around since day one with the ITU. So it's really going to be um, a, bit a bit about her, behind a bit scenes. about Les McDonald, and also a bit about the history of the ITU. And I'm looking forward to doing it. I lost my Kindle. Oh yes, oh, no. I, I know. Oh no! Ah, it. I left yeah. it in the seat in the plane. Oh, <laughs> I always check the seat pocket. <laughs> well, I know. Uh-huh. And I even thought to myself because I put it in there. I thought, make sure you check it before you leave. But I, this is on the way to the smell. Home. Just, you no, just had to get out of there. <laughs> that would have been acceptable. But no, I was sitting next to my small price to pay to get out of there two seconds earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because I love my Kindle. And uh, my friend Amy was with me. We were talking, and when we left, I just forgot to. And then I tried to find out if it's there. I've already ordered a new one, mm. and I've got the Kindle Touch now, which I actually think. It's probably a good thing, so. Fine, Russ. I mean, train hard. Train smart. Kia, kia. kia.